Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the 21st Century Underground Podcast. As you can see, we are back home, back in the studio where we are most comfortable in our space here with the aggressive lighting. And uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, homages and uh, otherwise tributes um, in all forms. I mean, we're going to be talking about literature, music, film, and we're going to discuss kind of like what that is, like when it works and then when it doesn't quite work. You know what I mean? When you're, I don't know, get, I guess too carried away with your influences. There's a difference between sort of appreciating what's come before you and feeling influenced by it because you basically have to. I mean, you don't really generate anything unless you don't engage in kind of like a dialogue with what's come before you, I guess, and uh, feel that kind of... But you, you develop passion for the medium by seeing it in action. And so that's a natural part of it. But at the same time, you can become trapped inside of your influences. I think we've all mm. seen that and even experienced that at times. So we're going to be talking about that today. And uh, I am Salvatore Arnaldo. I am the writer of the group, as always. And then with me... Hey, guys. I'm Brandon Salas, filmmaker. I'm Mike Villarreal, the audio guy. The audio guy. Cool. Mike, All right. The producer. Guy. Yeah, the audio producer. So, yeah, we're here again in the studio, in the garage, bringing to you another thrilling installment of our show. And before we begin into today's topic, before we get into homages, I kind of wanted to ask, just kind of go around, because, like, the whole thing, like, the whole point of this is I want you guys to kind of, like, have, like, an inside look on the process and kind of, like, what we're doing and kind of the journey that we're going through, because I think it can kind of help, I don't know, affirm... I don't know, other independent artists out there, and it kind of, I don't know, maybe give you some ideas or some inspiration. So I just want to ask uh, all of us what we're up to so far. Brandon has had some very interesting uh, developments of late, like as far as what he's doing with film. So uh, if you want to get into that a little bit and explain where you just were yesterday and why you slept for like 13 hours today, (laughs) why that happened. Just yesterday, I was over in Prescott. Basically, I've been going back and forth from Prescott for the past uh, week, two weeks now. I am one of the cinematographers for it. It's me and this other guy, Jason Ryan. And it's a uh, seven-episode TV show that's being shot over there in Pres- mostly Prescott, a little bit of Phoenix, but more, for most part, it's Prescott. And it's like a best way to describe it. It's called Horse Camp. You can find it on Facebook and uh, mostly Facebook. You can find it through the hashtag on Instagram, horse, hashtag Horse Camp TV. And uh, it's basically a sort of, if, if you took Wet Hot American Summer, the like the, it's like literally a took that and put it in like more of this country western setting and mm-hmm. it's uh about these sort of counselors the people who run this horse camp where people like kids come and they learn how to ride horses and do that kind of thing and do ranch hand type work so but very much in that vein of wet high american summer summer where it's just like all this really goofy com- comedy and antics they get into and there's even it does have some slight abstract elements that gets to into later episodes oh. so that's cool. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice when uh, horse horseback riding can be nice and fun. Because <laughs> the Manson family also well, gave horseback riding lessons. Oh, nice. So um, it's not always nice. So it's nice when we can be happy and it doesn't lead to murders. Well, you guys are filming on Prescott. Um, for those who are not familiar with the area, north of Phoenix is uh, Prescott w- between Flagstaff, which is more known city, and Phoenix. And yeah. it's a little more chilly, a little more, you know... Yeah, it, it's there. higher up in elevation, but Small it's, town. it's like high plain. Yeah, high um, plain. So Phoenix is obviously desert. Then it's just literally it goes from Phoenix, especially if you don't know about this about Arizona. It's actually kind of interesting. Actually, that's interesting. You should get into that. Because it goes from Phoenix and there's literally it's a climb nonstop up mm-hmm. the Flagstaff. And it literally the we cover so many different uh, in, like ecosystems because of that. Yeah, it's a very state. people think of Arizona. They just sort of think of the Wild West and like Tombstone heat. and like desert and heat. Yeah, but yeah no, it's we have a wide variety. We get of snow. People here. ski in Arizona. Yeah. Like they oh, do. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's it's very fucking Towards weird. The Grand Canyon. Yeah. 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 Snowflake Arizona, where yeah. the very famous alien abduction apparently took place. <laughs> so I'm just gonna drop another weird one in there. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, no, that's what I've been doing. Awesome. It's been a really cool process really so cool. far. I mean, yeah. we, I, I love it. I mean, I'm getting to be in charge of the lighting and camera and everything like that. And we're creating some really cool stuff. Uh, mm. It's just been really fun. And it's something I love doing. And the team's been really great to work with, to be honest. Also, and if you, so, uh, speaking of which, if you check Brandon's uh, Instagram, Sam Sarah Studios, or in Brandon Vision, probably there are some uh, set photos of his lighting, actually, for the show. It looks really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to get further into it. Like I said, we're only two weeks in. We've only had, I think, a total of... Eight production days so far, I believe. So I'll be heading back up there next week and being there for just off and on. So hopefully we're going to try really hard not to let that affect the uh, our schedule. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. So That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into that? Just out of curiosity, like how did that? I mean, I just follow. I saw I saw this thing on Facebook and I uh, I literally just followed up with it. it was um, he's um, the director producer is called um, his name is Patrick Ball. Mm-hmm. 
uh, he posted saying that he needed some uh, DPs, cinematographers, uh, and so I follow. I hit him up, and we had a good, really good phone conversation. But he was still like really deep in pre-production, so he, honestly, he like, like, hey, you mean I really like you, genuinely. I, I want like I want you to be my guy, but uh, you may not hear me for me for like, a few weeks, and I need just to get, take care of so many other things. I mean, he had a mm-hmm. cast for a seven-episode show. He had to do casting, everything, get all the rest of the crew locked in, get locations locked in, no less. So, um, so sure enough, I, I didn't hear from him. So I, I yeah. literally kept on like every two weeks. I'm like, hey. You're still alive. Like right. it's still a thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get, I'll get to you. I'll get you. Don't worry. Thanks, thanks for following up. Thanks for following. Oh, up. Oh, and what's, what exactly is it? The role that he hired you for? Uh, well, yeah, I said that. So. You said that earlier. Oh fuck! I thought I was like getting deeper into it. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> We're all very fried right now. By the way, I don't know. I, I should probably just be play play that on Front Street just for you at home. You're like well done. I'm well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am. I'm really well done. Brandon's like medium, medium, medium. Yeah, because he's uh, just got back from. Yeah, not sleeping in the desert. In the cold, this is the cold desert. Is where the he cold is. desert. He's in the desert where it gets like icy at night. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I literally just kept on following up, and then um, finally he was getting close. And he's like, "Hey, I know. we actually need to get, get things locked in." He sent me a contract, and yeah, signed on. So sweet. That's great. Man. Yeah. See, following up. Don't like. Yeah. Don't ever feel guilty about following up. I and mean, yeah. why? Well, there's nothing to feel guilty about that. Yeah. If they say no, they're gonna tell you no. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, Mike? And for me, I've been uh, just creating music. I'm just kind of bit getting back into it, and uh, I'm trying to make dance tunes and also whatever comes to me for the most part. And I am I got some new uh, software, uh, Keyscapes, by uh, uh, same people who make Omosphere, people who know, and it's I'm still waiting on the mail, so I'm I'm excited to get that. So just making music and kind of just trying to get influenced by sweet other things. You have anything that's been striking you so far that you like a certain song or beat that you've been kind of into, or well, I I started off making dance tunes for the most part uh, a while, uh, like when I was first starting to make music. And it was meaning like a dubstep type of genre. And I'm trying to go back into that and just kind of like music that makes you excited, that gets you going, something you listen to the gym, something you just kind of jam to uh, in your car on on your way or somewhere. And uh, so I just kind of been, because that's kind of what I've been listening to lately. It's just like music that kind of gets you going and excited and, uh, you know, something you listen to while you're like playing some video games and stuff like that. That's mm. kind of mainly the main port point is like on my when I took a hiatus, I was just playing like video games and just chilling, watching shows and just kind of like catching up to the things I, I give up uh, for like two and a half plus years. And a lot of that uh kind of been influencing back in to what i'm, I'm gonna create next mm-hmm. so that's cool yeah that's cool that's about it. yeah anything you've been working on uh yeah style? i've just been writing the same thing actually uh lately i've been just doing a lot of work on that doing a lot of research still but just yeah like working on a book basically and then me and brandon have been talking like here and there kicking around little shorts and things like that mm. i've been thinking about those i wrote down a few ideas but i haven't really started any scripts or anything yet um, but yeah, mostly just working on a book. Yeah, just like everything I've been doing lately, I've been doing a couple, of, like maybe like a thousand words every day, just kind of whether it's notes or like little vignettes from scenes. Like since I'm still just researching so heavily, like I haven't really, I mean, I've gotten into the meat of it, honestly, in different ways. Like I have big parts of it, not not big parts of it, maybe like a chapter or two here and there, kind of figured out. But like I'm just doing so much research, I'm just kind of giving myself license to just sort of accumulate and accumulate. And then once all that is done, I'll just sit down and just start carving everything together and really thinking about how it's going to be structured and uh, put together, you know what I mean? Like how I'm going to make sense of all of it. But right now I'm just trying not to screen out or filter really much of anything. Like, I mean, obviously if there is an idea that doesn't work at all for it, I'll like, you know, be like, maybe that's not worth writing. But uh, everything else, like I'm just writing everything basically. And then I'm, I'll just worry about sort of honing it when the time comes basically because it's just like the kind of creative stage and then i'll sculpt it later you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. 
you start with a block of marble you know what i mean with a big sculpture and then you've got to carve it out so that's kind of what i'm doing um you have a blog right have i you... do i have not updated it in a long time uh, i've been you thinking little... honestly i've been thinking about like almost rebranding it maybe renaming it and then kind of pushing it back out again i don't know it's been such a long time since i worked on it that like when i've been looking at it lately you know even just like my bios and the little write-ups on it i'm like man this is not me this is kind of yeah i was just trying too hard you know what i mean maybe i should come back and reassess all this material Mm. so i'm I'm thinking about revamping the whole blog actually which is you know i guess that's kind of of interest because that's kind of something i'm thinking about working on too i don't know if i'm going to rename it or not i've been thinking about it most blogs because like my blog is the neon codex you know what I mean? I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with that or rechange, you know, because it seems like every blog has like some sort of name. It's never like just the person's, you know, name, uh, which is kind of more what I was leaning towards. But maybe I, maybe I'll stick with it unless I come up with something better. But I, I don't know. We'll see. I do know that I kind of want to go through it and at least change the text and kind of like rethink what I was writing about maybe just because I've, my interests have changed and I've changed a little bit in the year, you know, the years since and then just kind of, I don't know, because I, I was always trying to do uh I don't know. I feel like these posts that were like this big, long developments that were like a couple thousand words. You know what I mean? Like they were always kind of very, I don't know, like grand almost, at least in my head. And it was just, I don't know. It's like I, I, I could work in a way that's like more simple and even more creative than that, I think now. You know what I mean? It would just be more straightforward and direct. I don't, I don't know quite how to describe what I'm thinking about. It. None of this really makes any sense. But I'm thinking, I'm rethinking that and how I can kind of reapproach it and come back and kind of do something publicly again with that. So. All right, so with all that, um, now we're going to get into the today's topic, which is homages and various forms of art, uh, specifically, uh, you know, literature, uh, film, and music. What's um, an homage? Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, so an homage, um, it's kind of hard to like, I don't know, like the specific definition, if you look it up, is basically like, you know, because, you know, obviously we've been doing research, so look at the word homage. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's like basically like you're paying public tribute is like that's like the textbook mm. definition. That's like what you would find in a dictionary. But in film specifically or literature, too, but you're essentially what I feel like it is, is all art is sort of like a dialogue. And like I said earlier, like it's like it's impossible not to be influenced, especially if you're passionate about what you do. And so you sort of, uh, an homage is essentially just sort of signaling that influence. I feel like signaling and sort of, in a way, celebrating, paying tribute, paying tribute tribute to something that came before you. So, like, for example, in, uh, you know, like Quentin Tarantino's films, he'll use, like, in the opening of Jackie Brown is basically, it's the exact same shot as the opening credit sequence of The Graduate. Mm. And he's doing that consciously. He's not ripping off the graduate and hoping nobody's going to notice like the point is he's telegraphing and it's, and it's a love for cinema it's a love for the art form it's it a love can be for... controversial where some people it might can, think for sure. it's ripping well i mean well, well quinter which will go over uh ennio morricone who did the uh soundtrack to the hateful eight said mm-hmm. that publicly about quinter it's like yeah i don't really like his movies he just like recycles shit from other people's stuff and that's like his entire movie it's like a patchwork quilt of that basically i'm paraphrasing him but yeah. So and we'll get into allegedly. That. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk about. Uh, we'll talk about both. We'll talk about when it works and when it doesn't work because I think uh, we've gotten to like such. It's gotten to such a point of excess. There's almost like a toxic homaging that goes on. Mm. So uh, yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, what we're going to talk about first, as far as homages. Now that we've kind of given you. I mean, okay. So uh, there's an example from. An exa- let's do an example from each uh, each medium, maybe. Sure. Um, like so, how do you even homage in a book? Uh, oh my, that's easy. Um, in uh, like uh, Ulysses, for example, um, like the entire book is basically it's patterned after the Odyssey. Um, it's like the uh, like so it's called Ulysses because that's Odysseus's name, and I think it was like Latin or Roman. And so the entire book is basically it's about a guy's single day in his life as he's going through uh, Dublin and he's going into all like these sort of adventures and stuff like that. Um, but it's like sort of a very everyday occurrence type thing. But it's patterned after like the great sort of mythic uh you know kind of mm. bombastic episodes that you see in the odyssey but the whole idea is he's taking this like everyday person and saying that in an everyday sense he is a, a, a like a, almost like a mythical character you know what i mean there's like a mythical like gravitas to the things that he's doing even though they seem mundane and unimportant uh there's something heroic about this man just sort of like trying to make his way through life you know what i mean and it's it's sort of ironic and sort of but it's it's like very much sort of like a celebration of like the you know, I'm probably butchering this, but of like the the everyday man. You know what I mean? And so that's that's considered an homage. That's like an homage for sure, like a, a giant 
book length homage to the Odyssey. You know, who wrote that? Uh, James Joyce. James Joyce. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good example. I mean, you see that a lot too. I mean, especially with people that James Joyce influenced, you see a hell of a lot of that. Especially with the postmodernists, it's almost like some of them again can be like a patchwork quilt of homages and influences, and they're like signaling. Oh, I've read this, and I've you know what I mean. That's like a lot of reference to the point. With some of them, get kind of ridiculous, um, but it's like you know, with uh, like Thomas Pynchon and Gravity's Rainbow, and David Foster Wallace for sure, and uh, Infinite Jest. You know what I mean? It's, you know what I mean. You see like a lot of they're sampling from all like these different uh, these other these novels that have come before them, and sort of I don't know recreating. They're doing their own thing with all of the influences, but there are a lot of like very clear direct references to other works of literature, you know what I mean, of philosophy and what have you, depending on what the book is. So, hmm. you know. Um, or actually, uh, an example for, that we've seen on the show, uh, Pap- Pape Solomon, uh, The Man in the Red Turban. His first painting was an homage to The Man in the Red Turban. Good example. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. Uh, the, an, an artist to yeah, yeah. consider an homage. Exactly, yeah. He took, yeah. Uh, because I was trying to think of an example, like in the history of art, there are definitely a ton, you mm-hmm. know, but I mean, like to bring him closer to home. Yeah, Pape, he uh, literally painted himself as... The man in the red turban, you know what I mean? What was doing a play? He was taking, he was doing a twist on it, and it's actually that has every layer of it actually that we want to get into. It's a self portrait. Yeah, he was doing a self portrait mm-hmm. because he was an African represented in this sort of like he European a, Western style yeah, grandeur, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he kind of so he appropriated that for his own purposes, but was also paying tribute to uh, oh fuck, what was the artist's name? Um, I can't I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was paying tribute to this. I know he's a well known guy. He is. Yeah, I can't, I his name heard. is just escaped. It's just slipping my mind. But uh, um, but yeah, and that's a great example. Yeah, yeah you can check uh, Pape Solomon at at Pape Solomon on Instagram and PapeSolomon.com, Facebook. Mm-hmm. We'll link everything in the YouTube links, and for people listening to Spotify or in podcasts, uh, check out our Instagram, and um, we'll we have show with Pape in it if you haven't listened to it already, and you can check out the links from that episode yeah. there. Exactly, but that would be a great jumping off point, especially. So, I mean, um, Mike, uh, I mean, okay, so we've talked about literature. Film. Film. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we're not, we're not going, Let's like, go we're going basically example right now, that's it? Yeah, no, I, I think example. we should give examples. Yeah, because we're kind of, like, introducing okay. it, and, like, we're trying to be, and then we're going to kind of get into the positive, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when it works, when it's great. Um, a good recent example, uh, I would say, was uh, the movie that just came out, which is based off the book, Doctor Sleep. Uh, that's uh, we. I think we talked about it briefly in another episode. We did, yeah, because you talked about Stephen King and The Shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, if you didn't listen to the episode or you don't know Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining, and uh, the book came out. It actually did pretty well. It's actually a pretty good book. I read it my, um, myself, and then they, of course, made a movie out of it. But what was cool and interesting about the movie was that. So if you know anything about The Shining, is the movie adapt- adaptation of The Shining, Stanley Kubrick, he kind of like took it and then kind of <laughs> just ran with it in his own way. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of almost like deliberate <laughs> changes in a very Stanley Kubrick-like way. We can go, we can talk about that for yeah. a while, but <laughs> that's not the main point. The point is that uh, Stephen King wasn't necessarily uh, in love with um, how he ended the book. It, the ending is kind of drastically different, and some of the elements are de- um, pretty different. Uh, the book focuses a lot more on alcoholism than the uh, the book uh, the movie does and there's also much more of a uh, uh, ghostly element ghostly right? supernatural, supernatural. There, I, would say, I would say in the shining the movie you could almost argue that a lot of it is just very psychological mm-hmm. whereas in the book it's like more it's more blatantly supernatural whereas yeah. in the movie it's very kind of subdued there you go it's a good way of putting it uh, so in the sequel you can tell that the director Mike Flanagan. Okay, it was Flanagan. I was like, it's <laughs> yeah, Flanagan, yeah. right? Mike Flanagan. Yeah, yeah. I'll just keep coming in. <laughs> um, Mike Flanagan, he, uh, you can tell that he wanted to basically marry, marry those two things. He wanted to be able to make a really good sequel that was true to the book, while at the same time not discrediting or pretending that the movie The Shining existed. Mm. And it actually did a really phenomenal job. And just to put this out there, that should not have worked as well as it, it did really in that movie. Shouldn't. He did a great job just synthesizing those two things. And like he was able to really give honor to the book, basically be true to the book, while still taking the, the things that were different in the um, in the movie The Shining and still tributing it and very much homaging it uh, <laughs> in many, many times throughout the entire movie. Um, it was it was actually really great. It's really worth watching for whatever reason. It didn't get a lot of buzz, but um, I, 
as far as anybody I've known who watched it, was no one was really disappointed. It's really a good movie, and uh, the way it was done stylistically was really well done, and they kept um, more supernatural. A lot more times in Stephen King books, you do get a lot more supernatural elements, and the movie actually kept those supernatural elements, but it never felt corny or cheesy. It, like, it stayed kind of like that nice horror, and sometimes it doesn't always translate well. So, right. Nice. Like, actually, uh, Brandon, do you want to take a minute to? What about Southland Tales? Oh man, <laughs> I mean, there's, that whole movie is just a uh, like, you know what I mean? I'm glad you actually mentioned Southland Tales. Uh, You're welcome. That's a movie. Uh, it came out in what was it? Uh, 2006. Long time uh, ago. Directed yeah. by Richard Kelly. It was like his big sequel. Not sequel. His big next movie after Donnie Darko. Uh, and in the independent world and the like, um, alternative world that he had a lot of, a lot of hype because Donnie Darko was a big hit. Um, all any, any angsty got per kid or <laughs> teenager and above really. Basically anybody who was a teenager yeah. uh, between 2000, 2002 and like probably 2015. Yeah. Even, I mean, probably even still, I mean, yeah. it's probably still popular amongst high school kids. I wouldn't be surprised. People latch onto it in a big way. Yeah. So there was a lot of hype for, okay, what's he going to make next? Like that was, that was a movie he made not, not, not that much money now. He has money. He's got, you know, what what, what can he do? Uh, sort of the follow-up of Uncut Gems to Good Time, if you will. So that movie's really interesting because uh, very much in a sort of way of like Pulp Fiction or uh, Quentin Tarantino flicks, it's a patchwork of these homages, um, like going through mythical routes, um, the Bible, um all torps like it's a it's a it's quite a beast it really is i really like the movie because a lot i can see a lot like when i'm watching it i'm like oh i'm i get it i feel it i'm seeing what he's trying to do the reason you like i think and this is a good like little parallel i think the reason you like southland tales is the same reason i like gravity's rainbow like it's very similar in just how zany Mm. like the you know what i mean just the level of like (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just so intricate and so no fucks were given as far as just like how 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 uh, like uh, he just like wasn't putting any I don't know because it was so intentional it had to be to be that oh, complex was. but it's like he didn't give a fuck about the rules at the same time you know it what was I mean? ballsy it was yeah. ballsy in every way um it it was way too big of a movie for one movie it needed more either it needed a way bigger budget or it needed to be multiple movies it's one of the few times I would ever say that but it really mm-hmm. didn't need to be multiple movies it was so much so he actually made a, he while the movie was in post production he started like overnight working on a graphic novel to release with it to help explain what the fuck's basically going on. Right. The pre-stuff, because there's a lot of pre-stuff that happens and you're like, what? And you have to kind of figure it out in dialogue, but it's not exactly easy. Um, but that movie was really interesting just because it's it's a just a huge patchwork of... It's just it's just trying to tackle so much. It's like Mother, but not necessarily done as well. Well, didn't he have... He had the woman who sang uh, the Spanish version Which of is David uh, Lynch. Crying... Uh, in well, she did the Spanish version of "Crying" in uh, Mulholland Drive, yeah, yeah. and then she was in Southland Tales singing again. Yes. Yeah, like doing that. Yeah, and it's just like all this stuff. It's so many little things. It's <laughs> it's layered. The woman from Poltergeist with the weird voice, the yeah. tiny lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the funny thing. Um, then the, uh, we should so, do a Southland Tales appreciation episode. Actually, I'd be pretty that. good. Just because it's, I, I actually I find it, I, I looked it up online, and there's actually um, a podcast directly devoted to hating it. So this would be good. Really? Fuck those, what dude. Like, fuck? and that's what we wanted to okay, avoid. Okay, not okay. I'm not naming okay. names here. I just, I like, okay, like, and I'm like, I don't even care. Like, fuck those guys. Like, and, and like, <laughs> it just like blows my. Even if you don't like it, like the idea that you would devote that much time, like you're just a dog with a fucking rat in yeah. its mouth, and you've got to, you know, what I mean? just fuck. It. And that's precisely what we want to avoid for our podcast. Fuck <laughs> was just we wanted to focus on the things that we liked, not necessarily just dogging on things that we didn't. Sorry, guy, you're seeing you're seeing me find this out live, and it's not even that like I need to watch the movie again because like I was like really ambivalent about it when Brandon showed it to me years ago, but I want to give it another chance. But just knowing that someone took. Like, the things that I hate the most, and some things I really dislike, like, I just, I can't, like, I don't have the energy, you know mm. what I mean? It's just so fucking, the internet is so fucking toxic. Anyway, go on. <laughs> but, Fuck uh, you. It's you. <laughs> last, my last note is, of course, also, a great note, Southland Tales has a crap ton of Moby all over. So Moby did the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So, 
That's pretty uh, sweet. As we like to do here on 21st Century Underground, we have to give a nod to Moby. Yeah, this <laughs> is our, just me. This is our, I like how the, I like. I want that to be a recurring thing in every episode. I mean, we've almost been. It we've is, almost yeah. practically yeah. been doing almost. it. Is it okay? I don't think when we're talking Except for to, the interviews. Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, guy. Uh, hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Is, yeah, that, yeah. is this getting too much off time? No, I was just gonna say in uh, the Joe Rogan show, his old guy that used to be like his tech dude uh, would just mention the Olive Garden in every episode, just like just just being obnoxious. He was just like always like he would just say it sometimes, just like as they were signing off too. And I want the Moby to be our Olive Garden. I want to mention Moby in every episode, but higher quality. Yeah, high, high, higher quality than the yeah. The Olive Garden fucking sucks. He was just he was just trash. But uh, but yeah, the okay. Moby's good. Well, for music, um, it's a little. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of homage, homages, homages, homage, 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 homages, and um, we had a little debate before we started this that covers are not necessarily homages. It just, I think, it depends on the uh, artist's intention. Especially if they use it on a on an album, mm-hmm. and uh, so I had uh, a couple of covers and lined up, but I'm gonna go into more specific homages. But just to shout out some of those really good covers that could be homages, because I know these artists did pay tribute in some way or another, but recreated the song, but didn't didn't really like um, in the sense of what you guys are using the word homage of uh, kind of like putting tribute into specifically their own art. Um, some of these, um, one, I got three of my most favorite covers. I'm going to go with like old to newer. And uh, Hurt by Nine Inch Nails was covered by Johnny Cash. Yeah. Such a good cover. Fuck yeah, it was. <laughs> and it's it's just so good. It's, oh my. It, he, did he pay homage? I think... I mean, it's such a good song. Yeah. So I think he would. What are you going to say? Son? No, I was going to say I actually have a good, uh, bad. I have an entire album of bad examples for exactly what you're talking about right now. Because me and Brittany heard it in the car the other day and I went on a rant. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. I'll, yeah. exp- I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll we'll get to that. And then um, I know for sure Denzel Curry uh, covered Eye Against Eye by the Bad Brains. Oh, true. And he... He's he's heard other covers before by other mm-hmm. artists, and they feel like a, they didn't really pay enough homage to to the artist, and so I think he was really trying to go a hundred percent on it. And there's I think uh, Spotify did this whole like uh, video special thing with him, and you can hear the Denzel Curry Eye Against Eye cover. It's really good, really, and. Um, uh, Doing Time by Sublime, um, covered by Lana Del Rey in her latest album, um, Rocking, uh, uh, Rocky Jazzwell or something. No, no, um, Norman Rockwell. Far- Norman, Norman fucking Norman. Uh, Norman fucking Rockwell. <laughs> Norman fucking Rockwell. I don't know why I was butchering that. And um, I think in her interview she goes off the, like uh, the her producer would th- thought it would be a good idea to like put a cover in there and she chose that um and she did a great song it's fucking a radio hit like it's in it's in the radio mm-hmm. and um but to go more specific homages there's a shit ton um when it comes to like music a lot of people sample other artists and add it to them, their own music and do you remember that song a few years ago where pitbull literally said fiesta forever like they just like literally got to a point where they were just taking choruses from songs and inserting them into their do you remember all no. night long. yeah like they were like well there's that song from the 80s yeah all night long and then no. fiesta forever yeah and like oh, and then and like, are these sampling them no he was just saying it like in the middle of his song like that, that was a big oh, that was a big thing like the late, sample. the late 2000s like early teens there was like a lot of like no it is an homage no for sure yeah there were just like there was points where they were just it wasn't no i was arguing with salatory what i don't know oh no but there was just a point i remember where they were like literally (laughs) taking hooks from other songs like classic songs from like the 80s and stuff and just inserting them like in their music and i was like what the fuck this is so weird like pops pop mostly pop musicians i feel like did that um that'll be a lyrical homage and there's like actual for me uh I can categorize the music uh, for a liter- uh, lyrically homages and actual music homage. And 
mostly most people do uh music homage um a shit ton of djs sample music i mean yeah endless and same thing with hip-hop endless sampling and uh one of the the most um uh, something i learned most recently how uh, nina simone was sampled a lot and uh kanye west uh loves to sample nina simone a lot mm-hmm. and um I think she has like three of uh three songs that are like the most one of the most sampled uh in 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 hip hop not the most but one of the most and um when it same thing um a, a lot of people don't know this but another another song is La Di Da that one's uh it's not called La Di Da but it's something like that and I'll remember it in a second, but that's been sampled a lot. Uh, Miley Cyrus sampled it, um, mm. and uh, a lot of uh, more early '90s uh, rappers sampled it. I just, I just had a thought when you said Miley Cyrus. There's that whole thing with the Wrecking Ball, how it's like really tight in her face in the videos she's singing. That was totally an homage to uh, Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you. Like there was a video, oh, really? video homage. Yeah, so kind of crossover. I wonder who between. directed it. I don't know, actually. And then uh, yeah, Sinead O'Connor like, shouted it out on Twitter and was like, thank you. And uh, Miley Cyrus was like, yeah, you're totally an influence. And then uh, oh, Sinead O'Connor so was giving they... her some advice about how, like, you know, it's like, you know, record companies, like, don't care about you. Like, don't, you know, like, she was, I think it, it started out pretty friendly. And she was like, yeah, you know, like, you're just sort of a product to them. So, like, you know, watch out for yourself and stuff. And Miley Cyrus was like, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It turned into this whole thing. And she was like, from what I remember, she was like insulting her for mm. having mental illness and stuff, and it, it it went pretty ugly. This has been covered elsewhere at further <laughs> length. So yeah, anyway, anyway, go ahead. Allegedly, yeah. Uh, Allegedly, yeah. We don't know for sure. <laughs> don't sue me. Okay. So, um, one of my most favorite songs of all time um, has a big sample in it, and it's. It's an in between of what if if it's an homage or not. I, I it it really depends on the artist's intention because it completely redid the song. You you would have to absolutely had that song completely memorized to identify that song, which is a uh, uh, Daft Punk's One More Time, um, and they. they Bro, I didn't know that was one of your favorite songs. Yeah, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Dude, I'm hot for you right now. <laughs> all right, go on. But they uh, they sampled Eddie Jones' "More Spell on You," and um, if you listen to it, uh, and then listen it, listen to that song, and then listen to it one more time, you could kind of hear, uh, like, oh yeah, a little bit, you know. But he he broke down the song and sampled it that way. And where when you break down the song, they call it chopping it up, and then they put it in the keyboard, and then you can play key signatures to what the whether it be a uh, a snare sound or a, a, a whatever, violin, a piano, like whatever the isolated sound is. basically. Yep. So they did that. It's like da So you can barely tell, honestly, like. I didn't know for the longest time it was sampled until like it was a thing on the internet, and then I discovered that and I was like, okay. But uh, and um, a more well-known lyrically sampled artist, um, Jay Z, uh, likes to sample Biggie Smalls a lot. Yeah, and yeah. That's a bit controversial. There was a couple of YouTube videos where they're talking shit how to Jay Z how like he. He constantly is using verses and like full on bars in his music, and how like Jay Z ain't much, and he doesn't really come up with his own material. He's always sampling Biggie, but I think he's just playing paying homage to yeah. one of his favorite rappers. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and so Jay Z can fucking rap. Jay Z can put out tunes. So, you know, he's he's good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's you know that's what I have. Uh, but it's for like all a, the good homages. It's a natural thing, though. You know what I mean. You see that since the beginning of film, they were doing that almost. You know what I mean. Then uh, you, you just see, I don't know, like all this like kind of cross pollination, people referencing other things. You know, and Paul Schrader, speaking of him, described you know making a film as you're almost like selecting from the smorgasbord 
of pre-existing ingredients like yeah. you know a little Bergman, a little uh, you know uh, Truffaut or whatever. You know what I mean? And then you're making a new product with the this mixture. You know what I mean? Like you're kind yeah. of making something original um, in as much as you can. You know what I mean? Do something new. Um, but yeah, no literature is very very much like that too, for sure. Um, you know what I mean? Like you see that. I don't know, down through the years, like, you know, things are kind of, like, drawing from, like, you know, like, like uh, for example, uh, even uh, Don Quixote, it's almost like a, I was just reading about this the other day, because uh, when Don Quixote, I mean, it was almost like the reverse of an homage, it wasn't paying tribute, it was like a satire, oh, I mean, it was a satire, uh, yeah, that's the reverse of an homage, but it was, uh, there was all these, like, sort of popular, chivalrous uh, adventure stories with knights and, like, romances back in his time period in the 1600s, and he uh, wrote Don Quixote, as a direct parody because it's like this mentally infirm like you know like this sort of like unbalanced individual who's like aged and he believes that he's a knight even though knights don't exist anymore so he's jousting windmills and stuff like that and he was using that as a send-up of that thing that everyone was reading like this like sort of very popular kind of saccharine like entertainment thing because he thought that like this is just infantilizing its readers it's not teaching them anything it's rotting their brain you know what i mean and he saw that like this popular entertainment that was kind of dispensable and people were just sort of sinking you know, all these hours into it when they can kind of be doing something with like more, you know, meat in its bones. And the ironic thing about that too is barely anybody remembers the chivalric romances from his time period and all they remember is Don Quixote, you know what I mean, by Cervantes. And uh, then later, um, Salman Rushdie actually uh, wrote another book. I can't remember exactly. It was like Quixote or I, I can't remember what it was called, but it was literally a retelling of Don Quixote in the present era and it deals with like reality TV and stuff like that. It was, uh, it was kind of interesting. So, but you see that a lot. Am, am I losing you guys here? I feel like I'm kind of just rambling. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting. You see that a lot, and I feel like that same thing has happened over and over again throughout literature. And you just kind of see people using these old formulas and kind of like falling back. You know, like Ulysses. Like that's a defining book of the 20th century, and it was based heavily off of the Odyssey. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it almost was like this original thing. Uh, in trying to kind of recreate this old thing in a new way, and it's uh, that's basically what you do every time you make art. You try to find a new perspective well, on an old idea. And it's funny because like the some of the foundations, the formula of uh, film, especially if you're going through if you go through film school, they'll kind of a big pinpoint of where it all really came together. A lot of the basic rules, the basic framing techniques, all the putting someone in the strong part of the frame, like the standard, the that came together in a big way from. Uh, um, uh, um, Rosebud. Um, oh, Orson Welles. Uh, well, the, what's the movie called? Uh, Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Yeah. Citizen Kane was like the first like real... Like, and everyone hated it. At first. Yeah. But like now it's like it, it, technically every time you're using some of those standard rules, you're almost in a way continuously paying subconscious... Like Even though it's a subconscious act, you're always paying homage to that movie because it was the first creation well, of those techniques. It's ironic huh. the way people are influenced too because I hear people... Not creation, I guess, all together. I want I, yeah. I want my, my nerds coming after me here. Down the road, you'll feel... <laughs> uh, you, you'll hear, like, you know, people who have, like, these original, unique voices who, you know, just seem like this, like, explosive force that came out of nowhere. Uh, and you realize that they were just so influenced by other people. Like, I was reading about William S. Burroughs lately and someone had made the uh, comment. He's, like, so unique and wild and out there. Um, but somebody was describing his early work as just basically being a carbon copy of, like, Dashiell Hammett. And I was like, I never fucking thought about that before. That's so weird. And it's like, I guess that's kind of true. But I don't know. Your perspective is always – you are so you and they are so them that, like, even if you, uh, I don't know, almost rip something off and some – I mean, not rip it off. But even if you think you're over-influenced, you're still <laughs> being so much yourself. What? It's almost surprising. Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft – uh, in his like later journal entries or letters or whatever, he said, uh, you know, I have my Poe stories and I have, you know, so on and so forth. I have these stories that have modeled after these other people, but where are my H.P. Lovecraft stories? And it's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that's so crazy. Like, he was so, like, you could pick a, a you know, if you, if you, you know, someone gave you, you know, a piece of his writing without the title, like, you could totally figure out who it is because it's so unique to him. It's like, oh my God. Well, we're just trying to use yeah. the language that's been set out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way you can, I mean, you're, the way you learn is by watching, reading, watching, oh, yeah. reading, listening. It's essential. And you that's know? how you you interpret it and then how it comes back out of you. Which is fascinating just, to me. That's the basis of it. Because that was a big struggle for me for a long time I had like no self-confidence. So I was like leaning into these other writers and it's like, oh, I want to be Kafka. I want to be, you know, Pinchon. I want to be David Foster Wallace, whoever, you know. 
and I, I would lean so hard into that influence and it was toxic when you do do it too much because it becomes like this like game where you're like intentionally consciously trying to recreate them to this extent that I feel like is unhealthy and kind of out of balance and I was using that as my vocabulary like okay so I can relate this back to David Foster Wallace so I'll use it so it's okay because he's approved it by you know already creating that work I mean I feel like there's a fine line yeah um, but yeah I, I used to do that where I would just lean so hard into it that it was kind of crippling um, but at the same time, I feel like I feel like if you can get into a place where you're okay drawing, because you have to be open. That's the whole thing about being an artist. Is like, you know, it's like my influence is myself. Anyone who says that is full of shit because it's like, oh, so you're, what you're telling me is that you're too closed down to be open to the influence of other people and the environment around you. That's basically what you're saying. Like, you need to be open to be an artist. You need to be receptive. And if your influence is yourself and you just like to smell your own your own farts and shit like that, like you're not, you're not, you're not. I don't know. You're not. You're not open enough. You're not absorbing. Um, and so I think it's important to, yeah, I don't know, to be able to use, to unselfconsciously draw from other people without clinging to them. You know what I mean? I think that's very important. You know what I mean? We see a lot of clinging now. But before we get into that, I did want to mention, because this is the 21st Century Underground, and we want to give you an insight into our process and kind of like explain sort of our journey and so you can see real sort of like art and creativity in action. Me and Brandon did an homage in our short film Paralyzed, a big homage that I was really excited about when I was writing it. Um, we basically, and it's not like the same shot it, but it's a very similar action it like harkens back to it a, a lot but uh we uh have a scene because we had a tree that had uh, split from a lightning strike and fallen down in our backyard and it was sitting there for a long time so i wrote that into the movie and the character is like living in this house and his dad is you know crippled and he's everything is kind of like the dishes are piling up and the lawn is overgrowing and everything's getting gross the garbage bags are piling up outside the back door and uh, this tree has been sitting there forever, and it's just this symbol of the forces in his life that he can't, you know, grapple with. You know what I mean? He doesn't know how to dispose of this tree. He doesn't have any real-world skills. He's been living in apartments and stuff, and then had to come back to this house after his father got sick. And so he goes outside with a saw and a plastic garbage bag and tries to deal with this tree, and it just eventually defeats him. You know what I mean? He's, like, literally wrestling with it. And that 100% is a strong homage to Ingmar Bergman's film Virgin Springs <laughs> because there's a scene this guy's daughter is raped and murdered by these thugs and he's going to go out and he's going to, he's going to get revenge. you know what I mean? It's a character played by uh, Max von Sydow and he's getting ready. And then he goes out and then when he's on his way, he sees this tree just standing in the middle of a field, this very kind of like thin tall tree. And he tries to literally wrestle it down and chop it out of the ground with his, uh, his sword. And it's just this great shot of him just pulling it. And he's pulling against the forces of nature and the forces in the world that are out of his control, you know, the fact that his daughter is dead and he has to cope with that and there's nothing he can do about it. He just can't defeat this tree. You know what I mean? And that was just striking, beautiful image to me that I literally just took it <laughs> for our movie. You know what I mean? And he's trying to like pull this tree and you know what I mean? He ends up just falling on his ass, our character. Mm. And uh, there's something about that futility against nature that I just responded to so much. that I was like, I want to use that in the movie. And it, I think it worked really well yeah. in our film. And the funny thing too is Virgin Springs was later remade by Wes, uh, Wes Craven. This is another story remade basically by Wes Craven his last house on the left last house on the left is Virgin Springs that's funny. yeah it's crazy <laughs> so um, one more real world example with like also my purpose with this one is to kind of show the the range of homages like the different reasons why you could do it like yes it's a nod and say that you appreciate something but then you can use it in your storytelling to get different effects so for instance on horse camp uh, we have this <laughs> horse camp <laughs> yeah <laughs> plug plug yeah right <laughs> Uh, there's a scene where it takes place inside of this bunkhouse and uh, this sort of uh, uh, ranch hand head, if you will, like the lead ranch hand, uh, kicks down the door, walks in, and wakes everybody up. And so I decided to... Uh, I want, I like to, Full Metal Jacket? Yeah. Uh, I, I, decided, yes. I decided to go Full Metal Jacket with it. <laughs> I know you. And uh, totally, like, <laughs> track with her and walk along the same, like, same exact framing of the... Her walking along the bunk beds as they're all getting ready and everything. Jesus so, Christ. And she's just screaming at them. Is one of them going to get like fucked up with soap? No, <laughs> no, no, I'm, just, no. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm kidding. But that's so good. Though. I thought, like, that's what I'm trying to do with the cinematography in, the, uh, in this show is um, instead of just making it, while it's more of a sitcom comedy, I, I've i mentioned it before, just because it's a comedy or just because it's uh, a certain genre doesn't take that kind of thing as seriously does not mean you can't reinforce it with good cinematography to help still boost the story that pisses me off so much about comedies in general it's because killer. it's like you see stuff like edgar wright you see buster keaton and charlie chaplin there's so much effort put into directing yeah. the shit out of those movies and it's like clear that it helps comedies oh, yeah. if nothing else like you need that in comedy you mm -hmm. know but it's like 
you know, studios don't take it seriously at all, so they're just like, you know, with like Bridesmaids or like, you know what I mean? Like, like this, well, I mean, Bridesmaids isn't even a bad movie, but it's just the way it's directed. It's like so simple and by the books, and you see it like with a lot of a lot of comedies that come out now, and it's just yeah. like, why not do something with the camera and make it funnier? So that was my little thing, just try to add humor to it, not necessarily saying, hey, this is Full Metal Jacket. It's funny because it's kind of like that. You know? Yeah. So Very good, Brandon. Um, <laughs> I like that. No, I like that a what's lot. Uh, what's our next agenda? Uh, our next toxic. agenda, we're going to talk about the toxic. Fucking the toxic. toxic. Uh, because that, that is a real fucking thing. And I think we really, if we're going to talk about homages. Toxic homages. We need to, yeah, toxic homages. Homages. <laughs> I have a nasty homage yeah. right now. <laughs> I have a nasty toxic homage. It's built up. There's fluid. It's swollen. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like, I think that's really important. That's a big part of this topic. You know, because people are like, you know, everybody, homages are like common currency nowadays like and like you know because like netflix is so huge and you know what i mean like everyone's like trying to kind of trade in nostalgia particularly in a, so, in a way our, our, yeah. our cinematic language has grown so much because it started, it started off with like vhs the introduction mm-hmm. of the be able to buy a movie and rewatch a movie multiple times strengthened the general audience's sense of like language yeah and you add that to music literature they can build this language so now filmmakers today people who are making things today can use that. Well, that's true because they all saw it on home video. Yeah. It's so easily accessible. You don't have to go to a theater and like almost worship it. It's just, it's more disposable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's, it's not like, like these yeah, references yeah. or homages are for the ex- exclusive elite crowd of people who really love mm-hmm. that item. It's like everybody gets it now. Everybody's in on it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things is a great example of it being good, good? but really towing the line in like yeah. a way where it's like almost. If it was just a couple degrees further in like the other direction, yeah. it's like, oh man, because it's like, it's it's a great show. I love it, but it's like really just an assemblage. Like they, I don't know it, the the nostalgia factor of it and the fact that it's just like built from like okay, John Carpenter's The Thing and Stephen King and you know what I mean. All this stuff just kind of pulled, you know. I, it, I, it's original and I think it works well, but it's like like right on that line. I'm telling you because uh, like you know like. It's, for example, like in season three, like the villain was basically like the Terminator if he was like a human KGB agent, like a hundred percent. And it's just like, I don't know. It's it's doing what we were talking about with the homages earlier to like this extreme where it's like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. why are we why are we even here if we're just like, you know, what would happen if Luke Skywalker fought the Predator? You know what I mean? And it's just kind of like in this like, you know what I mean? And uh, the the examples where I think it does go over the line and goes really bad uh, would be a great example is just all of the new Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, and I don't think Jurassic Park like I'm not like nostalgic for the original sequels because I didn't really like. I mean, the first one is the only one that I really like a lot, and the but the remakes it gets to this point where it's just like everything that I think is wrong with entertainment these days is just summed up in those movies where it's like well, well following would those be homages? Well, no, okay here. So not because it's, it's a sequel that, that makes it an homage. No, no, no. Yeah, um, the, Fallen, the Fallen Kingdom? Lost. Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World. Well, the Fallen Kingdom the one's the one that was really, yeah, really guilty of it. Yeah. Uh, Fallen Did you watch that one? Jurassic I, World? I seen the, the, Jurassic, I seen the Jurassic World. So the second one came out. I believe I've seen the I second one. I watched episode. that one. I was keeping an open mind about it because I, re- I actually really love the first Jurassic Park a lot. I love it. It's, good. it's a great movie. A, a, yeah. A, I just love that. I think it's surprisingly well. I think we talked a little bit with Vic actually in the podcast. Yeah, um, it's oh, yeah. a fucking amazing movie. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of moment. They're trying to recreate moments continuously from Jurassic Park. Yeah, uh, uh, it's not like it's um, just a sequel or anything like because that. Because the it's, point, the point is they're cashing in. Yeah. on your love for the original thing. So rather than doing something that's at that caliber, that's that quality, they're just trying to remind you of it yeah. over and over and over again. But what they end up doing is it's like. You have this recreation of like a Spielberg type shot, but it's like soulless. Like there's mm. no Spielberg behind it. There's no, the I don't know. Like the it just feels soulless. Like it just feels like yeah, a product. It doesn't yeah, have that pushing passion. On you. Yeah, it's doing it just because it's, it's it's doing it for money, not because of a passion. Oh, yeah. you've seen this? Yeah, we know you've seen this. We know you like this. Yeah, we get it. Here you go. Mm. And you know all what the, I mean? it's like that's all it is. One yeah. thing that did bug me is all the uh, commercial plugs. I was in it, like Samsung. And oh yeah, because that's well, that's what it is. That's like Ford it's product placement. Mercedes. Well, okay, actually, yeah, no, no, you're right. Not only are the products in the movies product placement, but the very shots and scenes and the construction of the film itself is product, product placement. placement. <laughs> it's like 
the, the whole movie is an advertisement for how much you love yeah. Jurassic Park one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it's it's masturbation. Mm. You know. So that's a really good example of a really yeah. bad one. Really bad. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of that these days. You know, like the newer Star Wars movies, I don't have as big a problem. Like I I like the first two, the third one. It's like ooh, but uh, you know what I mean? It's definitely playing on that too, where it's like, you know, J.J. Abrams is just trying to recreate. George that, Lucas's, you know what I mean? Like, but again, yeah. he, I think it probably does help him that he did have a does have a genuine love for it. He does, yes, so, yes, yeah. Personally, you get yeah, the yeah. sense it's not like it's recreating that that feeling just because it's trying to get you. I think he's recreating that feeling because he literally just wants to fill it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> I know, JJ. It's okay. <laughs> we got to move on. But yeah, no, and it's like I don't know. You see a lot of that these days. What though, about and, Marvel stuff? Uh, well, no, actually, I was gonna say there was uh, a really good example of one. Remember that movie, Passengers? With uh, like Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, they were on the ship, and then they're the only ones who wake up. Oh, like there'll be a movie like that where they've got like the bartender, like the robotic bartender, is clearly a reference to The Shining, but the movie is just a piece of shit. You know what I mean? It's like they put these little things in there, like it makes it better somehow, and it's like, oh, you you like this? We know you like this, so you know what I mean. But it's like, but this movie's fucking horrible. You're you're telling me right now that you're aware of The Shining, like you've seen that movie, you know that it's good. And yet you fucking made this, and this is what you're trying to like sell to me. You know what I mean? It's just like that. It doesn't not, help your case. It's not genuine. Yeah. And no, not at all. You're not being genuine with it. It just it, yeah. it falls apart. That's, that's yeah. Just that's it. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because they're, they're relying on it versus mm. just being inspired by it. Yeah. Yes. Making it their own. Exactly. Yeah. It's rather than a love. It's like a. You recognize that other people love it, and you're just trying to sell it to them. Yeah. That's, it, it almost seems like it's when they make. Uh, I mean, art, media, all that's a business, and it's when they lean too hard on the yeah. business, right. not enough on the well, art. Well, because we're living like, yeah, it's like this like post-postmodern age. It's like this like self-referential, that's like the whole thing, you know what I mean? They're just recognizing that that, that is selling very that's well where right it, now. It leans yeah. into this thing where it's like a genre flick, mm-hmm. and yeah. by being a genre flick, it has to follow all these oh, like rules that were pre- preset by earlier movies instead yeah. of adding something new to the vernacular like, it's that, like pure pattern recognition yeah. it's like you see this thing and it's like bing i'm a machine so, i like it yeah you know unlike yeah. the joker yeah yeah the joker yeah the joker but the, the thing is the joker was full of homages, homages too. too yeah but, 100%, like, like, but they worked bad. because todd phillips loved those movies like taxi driver there were some elements from light sleeper in that movie which was a paul schrader movie from the early 90s there was a garbage strike like in that movie king of comedy obviously like there was a lot of sydney lamette's films network was in there like he recreated uh in some scenes like very similar shots you know what i mean like there's the scene with uh uh when he's on the couch pretending he's on the talk show and he's practicing how he's gonna kill himself it's a hundred percent like the scene from uh uh taxi driver when he's in the mirror you yeah know, pretending he's gonna shoot somebody well What's some toxic ones of music well for the most famous one i can think about is uh it crossed the homage and went straight into ripoff when it went into court uh, everyone knows this. Uh, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby, Under Pressure by Queen, and you know they lost the case mm-hmm. very famously. And uh, even though they, it it wasn't exactly like how he says, and it wasn't a, a a sampling either, but it was so similar, and he didn't pay. And when it comes to music, unlike film and stuff. You got to pay these copyrights if you're going to use the material uh, from other artists. And if you don't do that, then you're going into legal issues. You're going in, you're considered a ripoff more than you are sampling or paying homage to. And so he ripped off that song. And even though it was, it did well. And he saw, I believe he saw no money mm. of, uh, after that court. How much originality do you see in? music these days because with film like there's obviously we're in this situation that me and brandon were just talking about where it's like very like about nostalgia and well i mean similarly like there's it's it kind of leans all over the place um there's always sparks of new new and different he's like here and there with like the uh you know like synth wave and stuff like that you know it's like this like play on stuff that was going on in the 80s and like movie soundtracks i feel like a a lot of what kind of what happens in our uh, media world, when it comes to film and and and, and uh, shows and stuff, kind of tie into music too, because like Stranger Things had such an '80s like synth mm. soundtrack and intro and '80s theme theme of attire, and the whole thing was based off like that mm-hmm. world. And 
I've been seeing more of that 80s style um, uh, synth music kind of popping out and more in the EDM world and um, in the pop world, you know, using some of the good 80s, 80s synths out there and and snares those those famous it kind of goes both i was gonna say it kind of goes both ways because like even with uh i guess sometimes in literature too and then in the case of music particularly you see people trying to harken back to a previous time period and recreate something and in doing that they end up creating something that was better than what they're feeling nostalgic for in the first place you know what i mean and that's when it's good yeah that's when it's good because It kind of ties into fashion too, because mm-hmm. fashion is like, oh, the '80s are back, or how they say, oh, the '70s are back, yeah. '90s is, you know how you know how they say that in yeah, fashion. Yeah. It's like similar; it's they're paying homage, they're, they're being inspired to what's been already done and making it their own, and it kind of comes back and forth and um, to what time period, to specifically what genre you're listening to. If you're listening to uh, EDM. Um, would be the general term to uh, uh, dance music. Um, not going into detail of all the other genres under it. Uh, it leans towards, uh, from what I've been hearing lately, a slight uh, either very out there and trying to be new um, with all these new technologies and synthesizers that are being created to a slight 80s feel mm-hmm. and kind of have like a disco resemblance. Like a a really new one had a really strong disco element. What was I what listening to? It was on the radio. <sighs> I can't remember. A really good one. Um, a, a good example that kind of grabs from both. Um, a really good artist, the Chemical Brothers. Really, mm. really, really good um, DJs. Uh, they uh, just recently uh, won a Grammy. Mm. For one of their songs, uh, two Grammys. It's been around um, for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. a long while. I mean, I grew up with them. Mm-hmm. When I first got into, like, quote unquote, what I used to call techno, uh, when it's technically not techno. Electronic music. Electronic music is a, a the easiest over branching. Yeah, because there's so many genres. Um, but uh, when I was listening to them, like growing up, and then seeing them now, I'm just like. I was just so blown away how they're still mus- making music and stuff. But uh, I feel like... Uh, what's, I'm what's, sorry. <laughs> um, I forgot the name of the album. It's their latest album. came out 2019. Um, but uh, they they won a Grammy and uh, for album, um, like Best Dance Album. Or, I forgot what it's called. Um, a friend of mine kind of brought me, brought me to attention, uh, Julio. He's very into that scene and world. Uh, shout out to Julio at Cine de Copelli. He's a photographer. Check him out. He's in the downtown dance scene, taking lots of photos to DJs. Um, uh, he brought that to my attention, and uh, but that uh, it's a really good example of uh, they had a lot of kind of eighty cents elements, but also creating something completely new and um, and different. It's just like ever evolving. Just Mm-hmm. inspired by the sounds but creating something completely different you know what i'm saying mm. and uh for hip-hop i feel like uh people are still in the trap world right now it's just like very trap and and um a few uh, artists kind of grab from here and there but it's mostly in sampling it's where they pay homages and to the music and stuff but like there's endless endless types of samples out there all right i had a quick second to look it up um the because every time we start recording i always blank on everything but uh um the camera uh, they won a best dance recording for got to keep on on the album uh no geography and also won best dance forward slash electronic album on the the same album no hmm. geography it's a really good. Uh, I need to listen to more. I only like have a couple songs I really listen to. But I haven't bro, to a lot. I know they're good. Yeah. And they fall under the as um, if you like Moby, you'll like. <laughs> yeah, so, I have yeah, no right. reason not to have checked. Oh. Moby. You've, been, you've been hitting skip or something. Uh, well, I did on Pandora. He's like, I want, <laughs> I want to listen to more Moby. What the fuck is going on here? Why are these guys on? For literature, sorry. Yeah, the thing that I've noticed like lately, as far as like because I, I think I don't know, it feels like almost like 
in some aspects, I mean, not all of it, there's some really good stuff that comes out, but it's like, in some aspects, it feels like uh, some of the literature is just like really stagnating right now. I don't know if it's like just sort of a confusion. Like, I, I don't know, I think, I don't know, a lot of ways, I feel like literature really needs some like new life breathed into it because it just, I don't know, it seems, I mean, it, in one sense, like there's a lot of like really interesting new stuff going on because at the same time you have a lot of uh, different voices are getting heard now. So like you have like, you know, people of color and women and more LGBT stuff. Um, but at the same time, I feel like in the mainstream, it's like, I don't know, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of stagnation. And I feel like when I read the stuff that I don't like, and I don't know what it is, it feels like it's always like sort of an author between the ages of like 25 and 35 who went to like the MFA program and <laughs> and was like sort of like going to school to be an author. Like they were trying to be, they were trying to go to school to be a novelist, you know what I mean? And there's it, it not really a way to do that. Um, but yeah, they were like in the MFA program and they're going to kind of like fall back on teaching or something. I, I don't know if that's a coincidence or what, but actually maybe, no, actually that might be very related because, uh, my criticism is their stuff feels overly formal to the point that it's almost, uh, insecure, you know what I mean? And so they're like falling back on like these old structures and like this very clipped kind of overly manicured style of writing where it's like not economic because it can be it's economic because it needs to be because they're afraid to fully kind of begin expressing themselves mm. i see that in a lot of modern novels lately when mm. i'll pick up and i don't read like a ton of them but i mean the things that i have read i'm kind of like oh god like i'll pick it up and just kind of start reading it and it's like just it feels so stilted you know what i mean where it's like you're not like a great writer but you're trying very hard to present yourself as though you are you know what I mean? It's just like very insecure writing. You know, I remember uh, Charles Bukowski had this quote that uh, uh, when the spirit wanes, the form appears. And like the idea being that like the less inspired and passionate you are creatively, the more and more formal and rigid you'll become. You know what I mean? Because you're trying to desperately to sort of control your uh, your output. You know what I mean? It's like kind of like fascism, actually. It's uh, the less secure Whoa. a society. No, I mean, really, the less secure. No, it's, it's, the, say, no, it's the same thing. The less secure say, a society. I really relate to that. Yeah. And then you said that. I was no, like, well, I no, don't no, it's, no, 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 no. I'm saying on an individual level, it's the yeah, same yeah. thing. The more insecure you feel, the more rigid you will become. On a social level, it's the same thing. When a society becomes more and more insecure, more frightened, more chaotic and in disarray, the they'll begin they... turning to more extreme politics. Extreme control. As a, yeah, as a way oh, okay. to control. I, I get yeah, you yeah. Now. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like it that comes off my music too. Yeah, yeah. Though when I feel insecure about it, I'm like, I really want to structure everything down, and it just yeah. sounds robotic. Exactly, sounds it shitty. does. Yeah, yeah. And I've done that before too, where I'm just clipping everything very, you know what I mean. And I'm glad I'm not now, but it's like, and I see that in a lot of writing these days. And it's like, and actually, you know, that makes sense. You know, people going through the MFA program and going to <laughs> no, 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 really, and like going to school and getting like, uh, you know, just going through all these years of education to be a novelist, which is like a very creative, subjective difficult field to get into that there's no right way to do it but it's like you're clinging to sort of the academic institution to try to train you to do this thing that you want to do which is in itself very uh i don't even know how to describe it it's like very kind of expressive and abstract and you can't really mm -hmm. capture it in a definite way so maybe that's why the writing kind of sucks but uh my, my point being i don't know that it's even really falls under the line of homage <laughs> that's just the problem i have with a lot of literature i see lately but i think i guess in some ways it's like trying to sort of pay tribute to the clippy, very economic writing of like minimalism that maybe was popular in like the past like 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? Um, some of those writers are really good though, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of trying to harken back to that because they just like, there's no other, they don't yeah. know what else to do. You know what I mean? You know, so that's my problem with literature. Maybe it's the same, it carries over into film too because, uh, you know, everything's just sort of a product now. You know what I mean? So it's like very safe and this is something that you recognize and I'm trying to sell this to you. It fits the formula. You know what I mean? Because we don't want to rock the boat because we need to make money. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I don't know. Maybe maybe it does relate. I don't know. I just kind of went off on my own tangent there. So, we're just going to accept that. <laughs> but, you know. So. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's pretty much. See you guys later. Know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I think the lot. thing is um, it's appreciating homages. It's acknowledging that you can do it. You can have fun with it. There's good ways of using it. But it's just about, I think, being genuine, mm. doing it because you, you're passionate about what you're saying. Like you're, you're not doing it for the sake of doing it. You're not doing it so you're not doing it for the gram. You're doing it because you think, man, I really like this. I really feel like this relates to it. It'll, it'll power what I'm trying to create. Empower what I'm trying to create. Yeah, and, it, and you, the reason you get so absorbed in that stuff is because you love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like that love has to be there. It can't be a shield, you know? Mm. So... 
So um, I think uh, don't take this as a way to <laughs> homage like crazy, but also don't find balance. Find balance in it. Of course. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you've got to be able to unselfconsciously don't rip people be open off. To things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try to just construct these. That's what happens when you're insecure. It's like I don't believe in my own talent, so I'm just going to try to assemble something from these different places. Be open to influence. You know what I mean? You got to just absorb everything, and that means everything. You know what I mean? Read stuff. You know. Even if it doesn't sound cool, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, you know, when you like, you know, so you're gonna read newer, yeah. Are you gonna read newer books then? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But you know, it's like you know, just like kind of. I don't know. You've got to just sort of like unselfconsciously absorb. And that's the thing is like I, I don't, I don't purpose. I mean, there's a couple like I got on my list that I want to read soon, but it's like just follow your inspiration. You know what I mean? Don't I don't know manicure it. I guess so closely. I I, I don't know. I lost my train of thought, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think, like, for the most part, like, be inspired, of course. And, and be sure to do this. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and like, obviously don't copy-paste. Mm. For, for the musicians out there who are going to sample music, um, you know, that's that's totally cool. It's within our right but now you, you got to pay the copyrights if you yeah. want trying to sell that so don't forget to to google how to fucking do that before you put it on spotify or whatever or youtube and then you know try to monetize on it you know you'll you'll be bitten in the butt that's the, mm-hmm. the whole copyright thing with youtube is super solid right now yeah i mean i think it was a, it was a good podcast uh we'll come come back next week i think we're gonna uh, Hopefully, we want to talk about comedy. There's a lot of pop ideas yeah. we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a lot of things in, yeah, the, in the works. In for the you. works, mm-hmm. um, as they say. But I guess for now, I mean, we're signing off. Uh, I'm yeah. Brand Salas. You can find me at at the Sansara Studios. And uh, I'm Salvatore Naldo. You can find me at the Neon Codex. I'm Mike Villarreal. You can find me at Mike Vivace, spelled M I K E V I V A C E. On Instagram. Be sure to follow us on our uh, Instagram for the podcast at 21st Century Underground and then also on Facebook, the 21st Century Underground podcast. And uh, we will, as always, be back next week with a new episode, whatever it happens to be. Uh, Thank you for joining us and being patient with us. Follow, like, share. Yeah. Follow, share, subscribe. Do all that shit. Yeah. Do all those things. And uh, whatever happens first. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys later. Hopefully. Oh, and tell us your favorite homages in the comments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, I'll kill myself. (laughs)